The book of Matthew 5:45 and 48. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes a sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Therefore you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. The sermon that I would like to continue is called, Called to Perfection. We know that this promised commandment is the inheritance of saints of all times, and the commandment is specifically addressed by Christ to his students. Therefore, those who do not acknowledge over themselves the authority of a person that is sent by God have no part to the inheritance contained in this commandment, and it is doubtful that they will ever be able to. To be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect is to love the righteous as God loves them and to hate the unrighteous just as God hates them, pouring out therefore using our mouth blessing upon the righteous and curses upon the unrighteous. And that's a burning curse. Uh, these are, we're talking about devouring curses upon the unrighteous. As it relates to fulfilling the required commandments to be vigilant over the word of God within our heart as God is vigilant over his spoken word in the temple of our body, we stop to study the following question. What specific goals does the righteousness of God pursue that abides within our heart, that we collaborate with in our heart? And in part, we've been studying the purpose of the righteousness of God within our heart received by us in the two broken tablets of the covenant where we in the death of the Lord Jesus died by the law for the law so that we can receive justification in the new tablets of the covenant this justification that's the resurrection of life in the new tablets of the covenant uh, so that we can live for the one that died and resurrected, and in this way obtain confirmation of our salvation in new tablets of the covenant, in order to give God the proper foundation to give us the promise to be heirs of peace, not by the past law, but by the righteousness of faith, similar to how he gave this to Abraham and his seed. For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith, Romans 4.13. Further, we've noted that the righteousness of faith making us heirs of the peace of God is determined by the humble obedience of our faith to the faith of God. The faith of God is the preached word of the delegated of God and that person who represents a father that is sent to us by God. Therefore, the promise of the peace of God is only given to those men that are obedient to the order of God that functions within the body of Christ, which contains a hierarchical structure of theocracy where God sends us his word using the mouth of his delegated ones. The covenant of peace in the heart of a warrior in prayer is the result of the obedience of his faith to the faith of God that is the spoken by his delegated one. First, it is specifically by the means of the righteousness of faith that the covenant of peace in the format of the inheritance of peace is called to abide and be evidence within our heart that we are children of God because specifically the fruits of righteousness that is grown in the Eden of our heart that reveals itself in the covenant of peace, which is called to guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. This is the fruit that we need to grow. If we don't grow this fruit, we will not be able to guard our hearts. Our hearts, uh, our, our minds and hearts will not be able to be guarded in Christ Jesus because the scriptures say the kind of thoughts a person has is how he is. Only when our mind is placed into Christ Jesus, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding 
will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus, Philippians 4, 6, 7. The fruit of righteousness demonstrated to us within the atmosphere of the peace of God that is able to keep our mind in Christ Jesus is the glorious seal of God upon our foreheads, serving as testimony of the fact that we are the holiness of God and the personal possession of God. And the seal of God reveals itself upon our foreheads with spiritual thinking or thinking of what is spiritual, serving as an atmosphere of, of life and peace and is the mind of Christ within our spirit. To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those that are in the flesh cannot please God, Romans 8, 6-8. According to the given place of Scripture, we conclude that people who reject the condition to have their faith obey the faith of God do not have any relation these are those haters of God that have put on, uh, received the mark of the beast upon their forehead. They do not have any relation to the peace of God and are not able to have it. And consequently, such people cannot have any relation to the sons of peace as the sons of peace, by the means of the peace of God, would inherit eternal salvation in the kingdom of heaven or are called to inherit it. We need to understand well that it is only the collaboration of our spirit with our, this is the born spirit that has been grown into full measure of growth in Christ, with our renewed mind that is in Christ Jesus, that we are able to enthrone the resurrection of Christ in our bodies and clothe our body into the resurrection of Christ. That is the, the imperishable pearl. This is also the fruits of our faith that we have received in the form of a seed and have grown into fruit. Relevant to this, we stop to study the fourth question, by what signs do we need to examine ourselves? That we are the sons of peace, which then identifies us as also the sons of God, or has His holiness, has His personal possession, belonging, because it is only by the rule of the peace of God within our heart that we are able to examine ourselves, that we are truly the sons of God. God, as it is written, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God, Matthew 5, 9. Need to never forget that if a person in the death of the Lord Jesus has not died for his nation, for the house of his father, and for his life in the flesh, then his justification that he received in salvation by faith in Christ Jesus in the format of a guarantee will never convert into the format of the fruits of righteousness, where he would be able to receive the ability to be clothed into the promise of God's inheritance of his peace so that he can bear then within his righteousness fruits of this peace. That is the resurrection of Christ that he will clothe himself into at the moment when God will find it necessary. That is the door of, at the door of our hope. Because this person has not died for these three. The crown of righteousness that is being prepared for him will be taken from him. The crown was supposed to give him the right to the promise of peace where he would have been called a son of God. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have, that no one may take your crown. Revelation 3.11 Hold on to justification, hold fast to it and <clears throat> invest it so that you can receive it again. The fruit of righteousness within our heart in the format of the peace of God reveals itself in spiritual thinking, which are the seal of God upon our foreheads. It is specifically the seal of God upon our foreheads that reveal itself in spiritual thinking. This is evidence of the fact that we are sons of peace, which serves as a proper foundation for God to fulfill his part of the covenant of peace 
peace. And this consists in leading us into the inheritance of his son so that we can share with his son the fulfillment of all that is written about him in the laws, prophets, and psalms. In a particular format, we already looked at six of the signs, the consistency of which allows us to judge and examine ourselves as to whether we are the sons of peace and furthermore are the sons of God, and we stop to study the seventh sign. This is our ability to clothe our essence into the holy and selective love of God. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Colossians 3.14.15 We've noted that the rule of the peace of God within our heart is only possible upon one condition, and that is if the selective love of God will abide within our heart and we will be clothed into the holiness of its burning zeal. Comprehending the holy and selective love of God is called to fill us with all the fullness of God, the fullness of the peace of God, or make us perfect as the Heavenly Father is perfect, so that we can obtain the ability to be like God. And so then we can be vigilant over His word that we have concealed into our hearts so that we can shine our sun upon the righteous and unrighteous and pour out our rains upon the righteous and unrighteous in accordance to the implemented within our heart law of God as a blessing for one and as a punishment for another. In Scripture, the selective love of God, the holy love of God, is presented by the Holy Spirit in the light of seven unchanging virtues or characteristics by the preached word spoken by the apostles and prophets. Virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. 2 Peter 1, 2 through 8. We've noted that in its essence, the love of God agape is a sovereign love that is unconditional, specifically in regards to those persons that she has selected in her ability to foreknow and predestine according to her will. She selects them before the creation of the world. God foreknows his ability to see ahead before he created the world. He already saw these people. They were already in Jesus Christ. He placed them in Jesus Christ. Who did he place in Jesus Christ before the creation of the world? Those people that when they hear the truth, they will not spit him in the face, but they will bow before his truth and say, may your will be done. They will die for their nation, their nationality, for the house of their father, upon the condition, of course, that their house of their father will be resisting the truth and will die for their corrupt desires. And so then their conscience will be cleansed from dead works and there the elementary teaching of Christ can be imprinted, will allow then the Holy Spirit to come as the Lord and Master of their life to be able to reveal the truth that is already imprinted upon their heart. The Holy Spirit will never come into the heart of a person as a Lord and Master if the elementary teaching will not be imprinted upon a clean conscience. But you'll say, I pray in tongues, this is the Holy Spirit. No, it's your spirit that prays. The Holy Spirit came to you and gave your spirit the ability to speak in tongues, submerging you into the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. This was the format of a guarantee. You need to then turn this guarantee as an investment so that it can profit, so that it can become in the form of fruit 
in the baptism. We die for our nation, for the house of our father, and for a corrupt life, but you don't die. Your character, you continue to preserve it, and you speak in tongues, but you don't want to change your character. Because of her sovereignty, the selective love of God will never violate the sovereign rights of those people that she has selected and never allows her own sovereign rights, her boundaries of burning holiness, to be violated. This is God's burning holiness, as we see. In a specific format of the seven characteristics of virtue that united identify the goodness of God within our heart, we have already looked at five and stopped to study the sixth. This is the calling to demonstrate the love of God, agape, in brotherly love. In the Holy Scriptures, the level of power of the selective love of God functioning within the atmosphere of brotherly love is discovered and known exclusively by the level of the power of the hatred of God toward evil and men who do this evil. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. Hebrew 1.9 <laughs> And so, more than your companions, I anointed you with the oil of gladness because you have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. And no one can take this gladness away. The more a person will lose in the physical world, the brighter and greater the gladness will be. This gladness identifies peace, the peace of God. We know that evil, which demonstrates itself in a person, in his hatred that comes from his jealousy and his pride and good which demonstrates itself in a person in love which comes from brotherly love are programs the carriers of which they are a program for itself does not work without something to put it into therefore to love righteousness and hate lawlessness is only possible in its carriers which are the programmable systems as it is written, the Lord tests the righteous, but the wicked and the one who loves violence his soul hates. He tests his program. He tests his pro program in the righteous one and also in the fallen, the program of the fallen cherubim. He tests these. Upon the wicked, he will rain coals. Fire and brimstone and a burning wind shall be the portion of their cup. For the Lord is righteous. He loves righteousness. His countenance beholds the upright. Psalm 11, 5 through 7. This is how God loves the wicked. Those who have a tolerant mentality that continually say or state that God loves everybody. God loves us just as we are. God loves us when we are as he is not how we are but how he is he loves those in his likeness for the lord is righteous he loves righteousness his countenance beholds the upright i shall remind us that the count his countenance beholds the upright in hebrew means his he is attracted by the face of the righteous he is in love with it he is inspired by it the face of the righteous, the countenance of the upright. He wants to see such a countenance, such a face. Relevant to this, as in the previous components of the virtue of God, in His unique toward us goodness, which we are called to demonstrate in our faith, in the seven components that we have listed above, it is necessary for us to answer four classical questions. What do the scriptures say about the origin and nature of the essence of the fruit of virtue discovering itself in the heart of man, in the love of, of God agape, coming from brotherly love, which we are called to demonstrate in our faith? What purpose in demonstrating 
demonstrating our faith is the love of God agape called to fulfill coming from the atmosphere of brotherly love what conditions do we need to fulfill in order to demonstrate the fruit of virtue in our faith and the love of God agape coming from brotherly love and by what signs do we determine or, or examine ourselves as to whether we are demonstrating the fruit of virtue and the love of God agape coming from brotherly love in a specific format we already looked at the first two questions and stopped to look at the third question what conditions do we need to fulfill in order to demonstrate in our faith the love of God within the atmosphere of brotherly love first condition giving God the proper foundation to pour out his love into our heart is our decision to be born from the imperishable seed of the preached to us word this was a subject that we had studied and we stopped to study the second condition giving God the proper foundation to pour out his love into our heart within the atmosphere of brotherly love the de to demonstrate salt in our faith as the fruit of holiness within our faith you are the salt of the earth but if the salt, the salt loses its flavor how shall it be seasoned it is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men Matthew 5 13 this is a very important discipline that we are uh, dedicating some time to according to the revelation of scripture the presence of salt representing the quality of holiness is formed in man because of his total dedication to God which preceded total sanctification making him an island that from all sides is washed by the purifying waters of sanctification specifically presenting your body as a living sacrifice wholly acceptable to God for his good service clothes us into the virtue of the fruit of holiness which makes us a salt for the earth and therefore defines the soil of our heart as good and wise when does a person have salt in himself when does he receive when he, when does he become salt for everyone will be seasoned with fire and every sacrifice will be seasoned with salt when his prayer is in accordance to God's uh, or in accordance to a an offering because upon the altar there's a fire and in this fire a person is seasoned with salt and this altar this fire is the Holy Spirit and with this fire he salts the offering he salts the prayer that is in accordance to the offering a salt is a good thing but if the salt loses its flavor how will you season it how will you fix it have salt in yourself and have peace with one another mark 9:49:50. i shall remind us that although all of the sheep in nature by their nature are pure animals the one that is becomes holy however is the one that is separated for a burnt offering upon the altar of burnt offering so she can be salted with the covenant of salt holy is separated therefore a holy person is always pure but a pure person is not always holy remember the woman that cleaned out her house and it remained clean and then one of the evil ones that she had cleaned out came back to search out the house and saw no one living there it's pure but it's not holy a person the person did not become an offering he did not 
deny his nationality, the house of his father, his corrupt will or desires. He cleansed himself, but he did not become holy. He did not separate himself. And so then he takes seven others that are more evil, and they all come in. And for this religious person, religious church, religious denomination, this will be worse as it, than what it was previously. And you'll see as a result, these unfortunate possessed individuals this doesn't mean that they will be uh, having foam come out of their mouth. This means that they will they'll be shouting, jumping, hopping around in the church, do all kinds of other so-called spiritual demonstrations, he, uh, false healing, uh, the rebuking of demons. It won't be re- actual rebuking of demons. They will just be uh, playing with games with them, putting them in corners, and what, where they will perceive then the spirit of deception as the Holy Spirit. That's what will happen and already has happened to some denominate some churches. See at the hooligan uh, uh, services, some hooligan, look what they've turned worship to God into. What have they done? They they are literally demonic and they do insane things, ridiculous things. They pervert the truth. Their evangelism, good work, yes, they are attempting to take something from theocracy, but there's a dictatorship there, not theocracy. A theocracy, system of theocracy, is the power of God's love, agape, where we are submissive to one another and out of, of, uh, because we are willing to and because we love. If you're not hopping up and down in those services, you are literally excluded from those churches. If our offering, which is our prayer intercession, is not offered upon the fire of the altar of burnt offering, so it can be salted with the fire of holiness, we do not have the right then to be an intercessor in the status of a priest of God. And consequently, we are not able to have the legitimate status to the right to enter into the presence of the Lord. I shall remind us that holiness is the state of our heart which demonstrates itself in the legitimate words of prayer, which are then followed by acts drawing upon us God's favor. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord, Hebrews 12, 14. The attempt to demonstrate peace out of the boundaries of holiness and not as a demonstration of holiness transforms us into the sons of resistance and destruction. Demonstrating the fruits of holiness and prayers, confirming your origin, giving us the proper foundation to make a new covenant with God, which is a covenant of eternal peace. Specifically, the quality of holiness demonstrated by us in prayer gives us the right to enter into the presence of God, which we demonstrate to God as evidence that we are holy. We are His belonging, His children, because in essence only those that are holy are able to demonstrate the interests of the holiness of their God by completing their sanctification, pursuing the goal of dedication in order to serve God. What is holiness? The word holiness is born from God, born for God, coming. We're talking about a person here. He's born from God. He's born for God, comes from God, belonging to God, abiding in God, the personal possession and holiness of God, redeemed by God, separated for God, 
dedicated to God in the likeness of God, entering the lot of God and sharing the power of authority with God, and so forth. The word holy identifies the inner state of our heart, making our heart identical to the heart of God. At the same time, the word holiness identifies the demonstration of this state of our heart, which serves as an argument of our belonging and our origination in God and from God, which gives us the right to be warriors in prayer, giving God the proper foundation to bow down the heavens for us. Bow down your heavens, O Lord, and come down. Touch the mountains, and they shall smoke. Flash forth lightning and scatter them. Shoot out your arrows and destroy them. Stretch out your hands from above. Rescue me and deliver me out of great waters from the hand of foreigners, whose mouth speaks lying words, and whose right hand is a right hand of falsehood. I will sing a new song to you, O God, on a harp of ten strings. I will sing praises to you, the one who gives salvation to kings, who delivers David his servant from the deadly sword, Psalm 144, 5 through 10. We more than once have paid attention to the fact that our prayer in the form of a new song is called to uh, bow down the heavens for us. And this new song is played upon a 10-string instrument. And so it is called to bow down the heavens for us. This is the home of God and the kingdom of God and the place from which his love is poured out. In scripture, the phrase to bow down your heavens when it comes to the relationship of God for man means to incline his ear to the prayer of man. God doesn't listen to a sinner. He lives, listens to a righteous person. But you'll say, what if I sin? But if you sin, that doesn't mean you are a sinner. The righteous can sin, but he remains righteous. The righteous will fall seven times but rise again. If your child that uh, you're holding by the hand and he wants to uh, separate his hand from yours and he stumbles and he falls into a puddle and then hits his knee and uh, is hurt, what do you now say? He's no longer your son. You will lift him out. You will wash his wounds and you will uh, band-aid it and and then you teach him right now you can't walk alone I have to hold you by the hand when you're older you can walk by yourself because if, as long as you let my hand go you still will fall into, mu into the mud or into a puddle the righteous will rise seven times or fall seven times and rise again our spirit is born from God and it is not sin sinful by nature and so when we sin we sin because of sin that is not from our spirit, but from outside of us. And so when it comes from outside of us and we sin, God does not account this as a sin to us. He doesn't account upon the condition, of course, that we acknowledge the sin and we repent for it, and then we restore ourselves, and we then have a triumphant victory over sin. And so, to give God the proper foundation so that he can 
bowed down the heavens for us so that he can pour out his love into our heart, it is necessary to present to God arguments of your origin in demonstrating the fruit of holiness exclusively within the atmosphere of brotherly love. As holiness is the demonstration of the fruit of righteousness that is brought by a holy person or a person that is born from God. But now having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. Romans 6.22 When a person is freed from sin, when his soul it becomes free from the dependence of the old person, when he becomes free from her husband, as Abigail became free from Nabal, he after 10 days died. The law killed him. And after that, was she able to become the wife of David? A person <clears throat> cannot become the wife of Christ if he has not become free of the law that discovers sin in him and gives power to that sin. Here it says that when you have been set free from sin, only then do you become slaves of God. And then you have your fruit to holiness. You're able to demonstrate this fruit of holiness and the end of the everlasting life. Romans 6.22 According to this place of scripture, when we conclude that until a person in is freed from this sin by casting off the old man, he cannot become a servant of God so that he can demonstrate the salt of holiness. And you'll say, well, when will this happen? We talked about this. When you by faith receive the promise, the scriptures say, the command, count yourself dead to sin, living for God, and proclaim the not existent as existent. As soon as you agree with this and you uh, and you ignore your emotions, your uh, lusts, its opinions. You don't agree with what it says or what it wants. Yes, it's there. Yes, it's 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 rebellious. You don't agree. You don't pay attention, and God accounts this to you as righteousness. And when periodically this lust or uh, or desire takes control over you, the devil says, "Well, what?" Are you free? You'll say, yes, may the Lord live, I am free, because this freedom came to me from God. I accepted it, and so I am free, I am righteous. You don't continue to lay in the mud, you rise up and you confess your sins, and again, you gladly uh, hold on to the Lord's hand, the Lord's right hand. The right hand are the preached word that he sends to his delegated ones, righteous words coming from God. <clears throat> to demonstrate the salt of holiness, it is necessary first to be born from listening to the imperishable seed of the word of God. Listening is one thing, but listening with the... Uh, intent to obey so you are obedient to the imperishable seed of the word of God therefore you can only be holy in your origins <clears throat> only in your origins you don't become holy because of something you did you become holy because you originated from a holy God a holy God cannot bear an unholy person it's always interesting to me when a person says I am born from God but at the but when you ask him are you holy he says no I'm not yet holy but I say how is it then that a holy God bore an unholy child being himself holy do you understand that you're contradicting yourself who taught you this 
you with this uh, wrong information will perish. You need to change that mentality and to comprehend the essence and difference between the definition of holy and the definition of holiness in our relationship with God. It was necessary for us to answer a series of questions. What does it make of itself? What is it? And how is the characteristic of the love of God and holiness identified? What purpose is the holiness of the love of God called to fulfill in our relationship with God and with other men? What price is necessary to be paid in order to demonstrate the love of God and holiness, in order to collaborate with the holiness of God? And by what signs do we examine ourselves that we have the presence of salt within ourselves, indicating holiness? Specifically, the demonstration of the quality of holiness, identifying the atmosphere of brotherly love, is called to give God the proper foundation. He needs to pour out His love into our heart and be a legit field in the relationship of God and with man and man with other men. In a specific format, we've already studied the identification of seven qualities of holiness as it pertains to our relationship with God and with each other. We stop now to study the purpose in our relationship with God and with each other. What purpose is the collaboration of the grown by its fruit of holiness and the holiness of God called to fulfill. This is in our relationship with God and our relationship with one another. Studying the purpose of holiness, of the holiness of God, when we began to study it, uh, we will we simultaneously have been studying it with the purpose of the holiness of man. This is the cooperation of both, our holiness and God's. This is because specifically holiness is called to be the only legitimate field in our relationship with God. Therefore, the purpose of salt, which demonstrates itself in the holiness of the love of God in our relationship with God as well as in brotherly love with one another has multiple meanings, multi, is multifaceted and multifunctional. Relevant to this, I will bring forth seven components included in the purpose of holiness identifying the selective love of God by which we will be able to determine the purpose of holiness in any other specific formats that make up our relationship with God. Considering that we have already studied four of the components as it relates to the grown bias fruit of holiness and its collaboration with the holiness of God, we will turn our attention to the fifth component, the fifth element. The fifth element in the purpose of the quality of holiness in our relationship with God and with one another is called to reveal disobedience to God in our heart, in our disobedience to the delegated authority of God in our churches. This is a concealed disobedience to God that is demonstrated in our disobedience to the person that is placed by God. And specifically, the holiness of God will reveal this. For God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but God, who has also given us his Holy Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 4, 7, 8. According to the given revelation, identifying the purpose of the holiness of God in his selective love, revealing itself within the atmosphere of brotherly love, we conclude that whether it be an individual person in an individual church or an individual religious assembly, if they have not placed themselves in a desired and voluntary dependence of the structure of God's theocracy, identifying the atmosphere of the kingdom of heaven in the body of Christ, and resist this order, then we conclude that such a person, such a church, or such a religious assembly, due to an increase and establishment of their own personal righteousness, which they see in personal good work, they have rejected the righteousness of faith that identifies the order of God, and abide. they abide in uncleanness and do not obey God. They become the Antichrist uh, in the scripture. Uh, 
Apostle Paul says many Antichrists have come, and you know who they are. They are those who came out from us, because they were never ours. If they were ours, they would have remained with us. But because they came out from us, in this way they have proven this, that they have, are not of us. In order to finish our calling, to, uh, to help us finish our calling to, uh, in such a nature of holiness that God possesses, and by the means of which He has promised to lead us under His rod, in order to lead us into the bonds of His holy covenant, so He can lead us under the bonds of His holy covenant, God has promised to rid from our midst those that are rebellious and disobedient to him to lead them from the land where they abide but not allow them access to the land of Israel an interesting prophecy I will make you pass under the rod and I will bring you into the bond of the covenant this is under the rod the rod of, of his of my mouth and I will bring you into the bond of the covenant I will purge the rebels from among you and those who transgress against me I will bring them out of the country where they dwell I will bring them out of the country I will bring them out of Egypt but they shall not enter into the land of Israel then you will know that I am the Lord Ezekiel 20 37 38 the bonds of the holy covenant is the dedication of the men members of our mortal body as slaves of righteousness <clears throat> and so we need to bind ourselves to God and so <clears throat> when you bind yourself uh, with the, the bond of the Holy Covenant, when a person hears about limiting the desires and thoughts of the flesh by the bonds of the covenant, the Holy Spirit reveals this individual's personal righteousness that does not obey the righteousness of God and members him to the category of those that are rebellious. Therefore, first, the nature of land where these rebellious and transgressors are <clears throat> is the church of saints that is a field upon which the wheat grows together with the weeds this is such a church where the weeds have not been pulled out these transgressors these rebellious are there they're growing together and as they have not yet been uh, discovered or revealed the nature of land where these rebellious and transgressors are is a symbol of their mortal body, where sin reigns in the form of their husband, identifying the essence of their old person, supported by the fallen cherubim. The nature of the land of Israel, where the Lord leads the saints that are obedient to the status of the covenant and the statutes of the covenant, is the clothing of their body into the pearl nacre of immortality. The nature of land where the rebellious and transgressors will will end up when they will be gathered into bundles is the symbol of the synagogue of Satan that together represent the woman that sits upon the scarlet beast. The category of people that are in the midst of any religious denomination but not dependent upon the religious postulates of men belonging to this denomination are what is the wheat. At the same time, the category of people that are in the midst of any religious denomination and depending upon the postulates of this religious denomination, these are the weeds. And the reason is because they accept what is not in Scripture. They receive the perverse truth. Therefore, an organic dependence of rebellious and transgressors to a specific religious denomination is the proper soil for the increase 
of the demonstration of their own personal righteousness that is opposite to that righteousness that is by faith. When it says, God will purge rebels and transgressors from among you from the church where they were and will not lead them into the land of Israel, this means that the rebellious and the transgressor are weeds that will be picked out of the church in which they pre- which which they are present so that he can gather them into bundles of satan- uh, satanic synagogues so that he does not allow them entry into the land of Israel representing our body that is clothed into the pearl nacre of immortality. Because of this, the church of saints that remain within these religious denominations will be liberated from the binding them religious strongholds, identifying their denominational dependence. When God will lead these wicked out, we will stop being dependent from our denominational churches or our specific denomination. If we were Pentecostals, we still are, but we don't depend on that specific title, denomination. When a denomination of Pentecostal, Jehovah Witness, or Baptist, this is a sect. It dominates the person. A person needs to be free from this and not depend from that specific denomination. As soon as we are freed from this denomination, we then are part of all these denominations but are not uh, none of these dominate over us we then are Catholic this this is the unified faith we are Pentecostal Baptists and so forth Seventh-day Adventist meaning we know what the Sabbath is and we honor it and so when they ask you, are you Orthodox, say yes. Are you Baptist? Yes. I had been preaching, uh, there was a sermon about the Holy Spirit, and a couple of people approached me and said, what right do you have to speak of the Holy Spirit? You are a Baptist because I was showing them that I was a Baptist, but I asked them, who who are you? They said, we're Pentecostal, of the Pentecostal faith. And I asked them, how is it that you being a Pentecostal faith, how do you become a Pentecostal uh, of that faith without being a Baptist? Because Baptist is being submerged into uh, the baptism of water. And I asked them, have you done this? They said, yes, then you are a Baptist. If you're not baptized by water and you say you're Pentecost, then you deceive yourself because you are not then a part of the liberty of Christ because Pentecost is being freed from uh, sin. This is not not a speaking in tongues, but being freed from sin because all of the denominations speak today in tongues with the exception of a few. But God uh, baptizes with the Holy Spirit more Catholics than Pentecost today. A lot of Baptists receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit in speaking in tongues, but remain in their churches and continue to be called to call themselves Baptists. And so their church will be transformed into the house of prayer when they are uh, prayer for all nations, where they're freed when they're freed from these weeds. 
Apostle Peter, inspired by a revelation from the Holy Spirit using the words contained in the 128th Psalm of David, said in the house of the Roman captain Cornelius, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth I perceive that God shows no partiality, but in every nation whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. Acts 10.34.35 According to this statement, we conclude that the cooperation of the grown by us fruit of holiness and the holiness of God within the atmosphere of brotherly love consists in gathering the weeds that is the rebellious and transgressors and separate them from the wheat, binding them into the bundles, so that they can approach, so that we can approach the harvest of wheat. So then the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? This is God, the, the Lord's field. And he said, An enemy has done this. The servants said to him, Do you want us to then go and gather them up? But he said, No, lest while you gather up the tares, you also not uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest, and at the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, when they all mature, you will clearly see the difference between the wheat and the weeds. Until they have not yet grown, it's no different. You can't really tell a difference between them. <clears throat> but at the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather together the tares and bind them into bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. Matthew 13, 27 through 30. Summing up the given component, we conclude that the cooperation of the grown by his fruit of holiness with the holiness of God within the atmosphere of brotherly love is always the work of the process of sanctification where God cleanses and separates the pure from the impure and the holy from the unholy in order to bind one into satanic synagogue bundles so then to then cast them into the eternal fire that is prepared for the devil and his angels and the others to prepare their bodies to be clothed into the pearl nacre of immortality sixth element in the purpose of the quality of holiness in our relationship with God and with one another is called to serve as a guarantee of our salvation together with our house for Adam was formed first, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman, being deceived, fell into transgression. Nevertheless, she will be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith, love, and holiness with self-control. But the phrase, nevertheless, she will be saved in childbearing, means, nevertheless, she will be saved with the born to her children, if she will continue in faith, love, holiness with self-control. This will serve as a guarantee for our salva- of the salvation of us in our household. If this... Uh, Again, we're talking here about uh, the phrasing is not very clear or not accurate. She will be saved with the children she bears. If the salt of the covenant revealing itself in the temple of our body in the fruit of holiness will be absent in the demonstration of our faith within the atmosphere of brotherly love, then all of the above listed virtues will lose their significance. Specifically, the salt of the covenant revealing itself in the fruit of holiness elevates our faith to the virtue of righteousness. That in turn reveals itself in the virtue of self-control as in chastity. According to this, the the righteousness of our faith consists in obeying the faith of God, that is the preached word of the person that is clothed by the Holy Spirit into the power of a father from God, the quality of self-control as chastity in Hebrew has this meaning, being wise, restrained, a restrained tongue, a healthy form of thinking, the discernment of Christ, the self-control of Christ, 
modesty, faithfulness that is demonstrated in the patience of Christ, obedience to God that is the words of His delegated ones, reverence, honor, and prudency. <clears throat> Speaking of the quality of prudency, it is not referring to complexity, but about a good or godly prudency which does not allow a person to do anything shameful in his thoughts, in his words, in his actions, and his clothing that can provoke the natural instincts of the opposite gender. <clears throat> but as for you, speak the things which are <clears throat> proper for sound doct doctrine, that the older man be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, in love, and patience. The older woman likewise, strange it says older men, not younger men. Because when a person reaches these, these, uh, uh, this age, older age, he becomes, uh, he tries to become younger and thinking so they start revealing uh, <clears throat> parts of their body. The older women likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanders, not given to much wine, teach, teachers of good things. That they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may be, not be blasphemed. Likewise, exhort the young man to be sober-minded, all things showing yourself to be a pattern of good work. The Apostle Titus was a young man at the time when Paul is writing this to him, in doctrine showing integrity, reverence, and incorruptibility, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that one who is an opponent may be ashamed, having nothing evil to say of you. Titus 2, 1 through 8. According to the above written words, to collaborate the grown by us fruit of holiness with the holiness of God, giving God the proper foundation to separate us from the sons of destruction so that we can inherit the salvation with our children by the means of our abiding in the faith and love and in holiness with prudency. It is necessary by being instructed in the faith to allow the truth of the word and the power of the Holy Spirit by the cross of the Lord Jesus to separate us from our nation, from the house of our Father, and from the corrupt desires of our soul, that together in is the genetic inheritance that was passed on to us by the sinful conduct, the seed of our fathers in the flesh. Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, he indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God, since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit and sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again not of corruptible seed but incorruptible through the word of God which lives and abides forever, because all flesh is as grass and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withers and its flowers fall away. But the word of the Lord endures forever. Now, this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. 1 Peter 1, 18-25 Receiving salvation for your house, that is, the born from us children, is not to be done by the behavior of our children to the truth. Again, receiving salvation for our house that is the born for us children I repeat again is not by the done by 
is not to be done by the behavior of our children to the truth, but by the received by us information that is contained in the faith of God, who is God for our house in Christ Jesus, what God has done for the house, for our house in Christ Jesus, and what our house is to God in Christ Jesus. Often we say for ourselves, but here I'm just applying it to the house because the scriptures say when God saves the person, he saves this person with the born from him children. You and your house will be saved. I want everyone to hear this very clearly because I know some of our children are not where we would like to see them. But judge not by how they are regarding the church, the truth, or God, but by how God is toward you and toward your children, what that he gave the promise. And you need to look not at what your children are doing, but what God has done for your children. Thank God and count your son, your daughter, and that they are next to you and seated next to you even if they're not there. And when you come to church, say to yourself, Thank you, Lord God, that my daughter is seated with me. Thank you, Lord God, that my son is seated with me. Because faith is the non-existent as existent. And we can proclaim that not existent as existent in the case when God spoke. When he said, call these things. We can't just call whatever we want, but we are called to to proclaim what God wants. He says, you and your house will be saved. Summing up the given component, the collaboration of our holiness with the holiness of God within the atmosphere of brotherly love, we conclude, if we, by being instructed in the faith, will not separate the holiness of God that is contained in the blood of the cross of Christ from the destructive seed inherited by us from the sinful life of our fathers, then this will mean only one thing, that we have not grown the fruit of holiness for the collaboration of the holiness of God, and then our names will be blotted out of the book of life, and we, together with our children, will lose this salvation upon the condition, though, if our children will deny us and then will follow still the truth and remain in the nation of Israel like the sons of Korah uh, had done. A part of his sons did perish when the earth opened up and took them, but a part of the sons that he had, the other part, they died for their father and did not join him. Seventh element in the purpose of the quality of holiness in our relationship with God and with one another is called to bring the armies of Gog into the land of Israel in order to demonstrate God's holiness over them. The verdict and judgment because they intend to settle a score with the land of Israel. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, set your face against God. And of land of Magog, the prince of Rosh, Meshech, and Tubal, and prophesy against them, and say, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, O God, the prince of Rosh, Meshech, and Tubal. And so Gog, he is the one that rules over Meshech and Tubal. I will turn you around, put hooks into your jaw, and lead you out with all your army, horses, and horsemen 
all splendidly clothed, a great company with bucklers and shields, all of them handling swords. Persia, Ethiopia, and Libya are with them, all of them with shields and helmets. Gomer with all of its troops, the house of Tugamar from the far north and all of its troops, many people are with you. Prepare yourself and be ready, you and all your companies that are gathered about you and be a guard for them. After many days you will be visited. In the latter days you will come into the land of those brought back from the sword gathered from many people on the mountains of Israel which had long been desolate they were brought out of the nation and now all of them dwell safely you will ascend coming like a storm coming, covering the land like a cloud and you all your troops and many people with you thus says the Lord God on that day it shall come to pass that that thought, thoughts will arise in your mind and you will make an evil plan. You will say, I will go up against a land of unwalled villages. I will go to a peaceful people who dwell safely, all of them dwelling without walls and having their neither bars or gates to take plunder and to take booty, to stretch out our hand against the waste places that are against inhabited and against a people gathered from the nations who have acquired livestock and goods who dwell in the midst of the land. Sheba, Dedan, and merchants of Tarshish and all of their young uh, lions will say to you, have you come to take plunder? Have you gathered your armies to take booty, to carry away silver and gold, to take away livestock and goods, and to take a great plunder? Therefore, son of man, prophesy and say to God, thus says the Lord God, on that day when my people Israel dwelt safely, will you not know it? Then you will come from your place out of the far north, and many people with you, all of them riding on horses, a great company and a mighty army. You will come up against my people Israel like a cloud to cover the land. It will be in the latter days that I will will bring you against my land so that the nations may know me when I am hallowed in you, O God, before their eyes. Ezekiel 38, 1-16. The name Gog means a precious golden vessel. This is a Reubenite. This is how one of the prince, princes that came from Reuben uh, were called. Uh, and so the son of Sh- son Shemaiah, whose name means a harmonious sound, and the name Shimei, the Lord will hear. The son of Joel were Shemaiah his son, Gog his son, Shimei his son, Micah his son, Raya his son, Baal his son, and Bera his son, whom Tiglath-Pileh, king of Assyria, called into captivity. He was leader of the Reubenites. First, Chron- First Chronicles 5, 4 through 6. It's possible you will ask, what relevance does Gog, the prince from the tribe of Reubenites, have to the demonic prince by the name also Gog? The answer is none. The thing is, when the uh, cherubim from on high and his angels sinned, they were stripped of all their virtues consisting in their names. They were stripped of their names. They became without name. Therefore, not demonic princes or his angels have virtues that are presented in in their names and that they claim and, and call themselves. If an angel of darkness falsely represents himself as an angel of light, then this this does not mean that he truly is an angel of light. However, when a person possesses the virtue of any name, <clears throat> he gives place to the devil. The devil obtains the right to call himself by the name of this person, but does not have the right to be his name. He receives the right <clears throat> the right to be called that name, but not to be the, that person, that name. The next two names that are claimed by demonic princes Meshech and Tubal, whose head was Gog, these are the names of the sons of Japheth, the grandsons of Noah. The demonic prince that claims the name Gog, one of the prince sons of Reuben, who is in control of 
is in control of Meshach and Tubal and incarnate the Gentile resisting to God world stronghold that is called the European Union, previously the, called then the Roman Empire where they crucified Christ, to perform judgment upon the mountains of Israel that in the temple of our body are the oath promises of God is to uh, deprive them of virtues that uh, the names that they themselves have claimed the promises that are contained in our heart these are our sons I want to look at this study this in our body this will truly happen physically uh, later physically this will happen he will uh, bring that God will come against Israel, Israel to destroy Israel but God will destroy Gog but we, I want to specifically note that if it won't happen uh, in us, in our bodies, in our hearts, the, the Gog that we're talking about first is in ourselves. And so if we don't uh, destroy him within us, then we will be a part of that Gog. Many promises of God in our hearts have died. This has become a cemetery for God's promises and not uh, wonderful homes they can live in. We have left this cemetery and these promises have resurrected for us and every promise now lives in our heart or the temple of our body in a wonderful temple. And why? Because we have taken away power from all of the wicked thoughts, evil thoughts that may be in us. The phrase that I will take your bow from your hand and I will cast out your arrows from your hand are the grown in us sons that will not be ashamed when they shall speak with the enemy at our door. Our door is our mouth that confesses God's faith, our restrained mouth. Behold, children are heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in the gate. Psalm 127, 3-5. And so God will be ashamed. His name shall be taken from him that he has claimed for himself that does not belong to him. We will take this name from him. Today, Satan calls himself the names of lands, people, holy people even because he has deceived them but before this physical uh, occurrences to take place in order for then the kingdom of Christ to be established this also needs to happen in the mountains of Israel within our body this is the born in us Methuselah you Son of man, prophesy against Gog and say, Thus is the Lord God, behold, I am against you, O Gog, the prince of Rosh, the leading prince over Meshech and Tubal. And I will turn around and lead you on, bring you up from the far north, and bring you against the mountains of Israel. We already have victory in our hearts over Gog and his armies. We need to note that all of the judgments that God will perform in order to establish his thousand-year governance or his reign on the new heaven, new earth, are called to happen by the revelation that is written upon the tablets of our heart before this incident takes place. After a thousand years, the devil will be freed 
Now when the thousand years have expired, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, whose number is as the sand of the sea. They went up on the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city, and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. The devil who who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire, brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Revelations 27 through 10. Right now we were going to pray and we will prepare our heart for this great service of communion. This is the body of, of the Lord and we will drink His blood. And all those who desire to resist their old self, their nature, the sin that may be, has bound you inside, the lusts, the illnesses that make you afraid, uh, situations that are making you afraid, you can come to the altar to receive victory over the circumstances, the situations you may be in in order to have be ready to take part in eating of the body and drinking of the blood. Amen. Let us pray. We wait for you here at the altar. I will be praying your prayer and I ask you to deeply believe that God is for you he's not against you he sees you righteous before his himself his eyes because he, you've seen your dependence from sin your desires your lusts he sees your fear but you're ready to come to him you love him you confess your sins you refuse these sins and he sees this as righteousness and he wants to restore his relationship with you please close your eyes this is your secret room lift your hands to god this is a sign that your hands are without doubt or without wrath pray together with me heavenly father in the name of jesus christ i come to you i open up my heart you see my pain that is inflicted by sin sin that I hate I hate my lusts I hate my desires that are sinful I refuse them may they be cast into hell I love you I love your righteousness I have accepted your promises I keep them in my heart as the apple of my eye I pray that you that your Holy Spirit enter into my heart as God and master of my life I open up my heart 
enter in and be Lord and Master of my life. And right now, before heaven and hell, I want to proclaim that in accordance to your words, I am washed, I am cleansed, I am healed, I am restored, I am justified, and I am saved. Your sins are forgiven and your trespasses in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you. May He look upon you with His wonderful face and show you mercy and give you peace. May thousands and ten thousands attempt to come near you, but they won't touch you. May upon you all these promises come and upon your children and be fulfilled upon you and the nation shall say, Amen.
Садитесь, пожалуйста. Первое послание Коринфянам. 1 Коринфянам. Chapter 11, verse 23 and lower. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord but let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, eats and drink judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, not our neighbor, I add this, this is what this means here, if we judged ourselves, not our names, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. If you pay attention here, Paul says, for I receive from the Lord what I have given to you. In that night, Apostle Paul wasn't there with the twelve. He was not in that number of twelve. But he says, I receive from the Lord what I have uh, passed on to you. That means God came to him in a vision and he completely revealed this part to him. And so he pretty much uh, enjoined him, as it were, or pretty much revealed that entire uh, evening to him so that he can be a partaker of it. He doesn't say that I heard it from Matthew or from Peter. He says, I heard it from the Lord. And all the apostles agreed uh, to this, that God did come to him in a vision and revealed this time. It seems strange, as all other events, God revealed to him not in visions, but in his heart. Uh, wisdom that he writes about was revealed in his heart, but this specific situation, this, in, this moment, was in a vision. Jesus came to him in the form of the Holy Spirit and showed him how the uh, communion is to be done. This is important. This is not just something that took place. This is an event. And when this is, event takes place, this is a celebration. Our body is mortal. And so for our mortal body to be able to receive food, living food, God gives it to us in the form of this bread, that when we pray, it stops being just a simple bread, and it becomes an unearthly bread, the body of Christ. The body of Christ is the teaching of Jesus Christ that came in the flesh, that we eat. And so I'll ask everyone to stand, and we will pray for the bread. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you to your holy name for the great privilege 
and honor to worship before your before you because of your bread and eat it before your face when it shall be passing by your people allow that the life that is within this bread enter into our mortal bodies and destroy the stronghold of death in our body to erect in, in its place the stronghold of life may all illnesses be cursed in this bread when we'll, we will eat of it and take part may this be upon your children and be fulfilled upon them amen and he gave thanks he he took it he said take eat he broke it he said take eat do this in remembrance of me each person break their own bread this is a sign that every one of us crucified Christ with our sins together with the soldiers of Pilate although we weren't shouting crucify him but he died for our sins and our sins did not just crucify him but also flogged him the one that was completely naked carrying his cross we were the nails our sins were the nails that went into his hands and also all the other suffering that he experienced the thorns in his head but he took not just our sins he took our sins together with us that is the important part he took our sins together with us upon his cross and we with the body of Christ die for the law by the law and when we rise in his resurrection we rise without sin as he is without sin and so we need to understand that because the commandment of God works in the capacity in which you understand it as you understand it that's how it will work for as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes the heavens bow before this event when you meditate about what you're eating and how you see yourself and what you look upon who God is for you what he's done for you and who you are to him and the heavens rejoice hell is ashamed For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. This is a celebration, this is a great joy. That's what the priest said to the nation that was mourning. They returned from slavery 
And at the time of the Passover feast, when they had the feast, they, people began to cry. And the priests became afraid. They told the nation, stop crying. You can't cry. This is a day of joy from the Lord. You need to rejoice. Eat what is good. Drink what is sweet. For this is the day of salvation. God celebrates this day. He does not see this as sorrow, as many religious people do. And they try to push out tears in other people, how Jesus suffered. But the Heavenly Father <clears throat> sees this as a triumph victory, the sufferings that he experienced. The Lord looks with joy upon his own sufferings because he rejoices in what has happened. If there's anyone who may have been accidentally passed by, please stand. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Who has believed our report and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He had no form or comeliness and when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a deep a sheep before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living for the transgressions of my people. He was stricken. And they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death, because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit, in his mouth yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him he was put him he had put him to grief when you make his when you make his soul an offering for sin he shall see his seed he shall prolong his days and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper his hand he shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied by his knowledge by my righteous servant shall justify many for he shall bear their iniquities let us stand up and pray for the cup. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for the new cup of the covenant poured out for the sins of many, when it shall be passing by your people, and we will be taking part in it and drinking of it. May your holy life be poured into us. And may all illness be eradicated from our bodies and weakness. May all sin and all dependence be destroyed. May all shackles of hell be 
broken before this cup of the covenant. We thank you for it and we worship before the cup of the covenant, our great God, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. The road that is approached, please stand. As you had helped one another with taking of the bread, please help assist one another in taking of the cup. The cup is Jesus. It's a symbol of Christ for the whole world one. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. The Lord Jesus, he sits at the right hand of the Father and he gladly looks at what he had done. And so the justification that you received by freely by grace and he rejoices in this. For as often as you eat this bread or drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. When it says till he comes, because he will come as one who has resurrected from the dead. In order for resurrection to work in the temple of our body, it is necessary to proclaim the Lord's death because resurrection is the result of his death. We, in this death, take part in this crucifixion. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ and it is now now I who live, but Christ who lives in me. This is important to understand this and think about these things. It is, it is not I who live, but Christ lives in me. I take part in his death. I have been crucified with Christ. How do I know that I've been crucified with Christ? Because I have left my nation, the house of my father, and my destructive desires. I have go, gone to the land that God had appointed. This is my body that is adopted by the redemption of Christ. I have directed my myself to the goals. That is the greater reward, the greater calling in, in the Lord. Our goal is to adopt our body by the redemption of Christ. God created the body to be uh, without corruption, to be glorious. Sin has made it corrupt, but when we by faith receive it, our body became immortal. It is still mortal, but it is immortal. But you say we're, we're aging, we're getting sick. Again, consider yourself that you are not getting sick, that your body is already clothed. Behave yourself like that. Think about this and proclaim this, and may the Lord bless you in that. If someone have been accidentally passed by, if not, if not let us uh, stand, and we will proclaim our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless, before the presence of His glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior who alone 
is wise. Be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.